every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Okay. Cool. Well, I have a question. How many of you guys in here, uh, how many of you, I, I, I personally have a, uh, have a problem, uh, but how many of you in here are, are constant text messengers? Anybody text message in here all the time? Yeah, half of you raise your hand, the other half are liars. Uh, okay, now here's the bigger question. How many people in here do we have that are legitimate cha-chars? We got cha-chars in here? Okay, we're going to do, I, I don't want to go into explaining all of what cha-cha is, but we're going to do a little cha-cha action right now, okay? So if you are the kind of person that really likes to text message, so you probably have unlimited text messaging or a whole grip of text messages, or if you just want to get involved in the fun, go ahead and get your cell phone out. Everybody get your cell phone out. You don't have to. If it's going to cost you 10 cents and you don't want to, you don't have to. But if you're willing to participate, go ahead and get your cell phone out. Go to your text messaging. Whoa, go to your text messaging. And here's what you do. Type in this number, 242-242. It spells cha-cha. Okay? I'm going to say it again. 242-242. This is the number that you are texting to, okay? I love cha-cha. You can ask them anything, and they're going to respond with an answer. I like to ask them funny things, you know, sometimes, and sometimes, you know, serious things. I, I you know, like if someone's preaching, I'll like ask them if what, you know, they just said was really real. Like I'll be like, does fasting mean, you know, I'll ask them whatever you want to ask. But here's what we're going to ask them tonight, okay? So you hit okay. Actually, I don't know how your cell phone works. Okay, I want you to text this. I want you to text one of two things. Either ask, what is love? Or you can ask like, define love or something like that, okay? So you're, we're asking cha-cha. We are seeing what the cha-cha world thinks love is tonight, okay? So you'll say... What is love? Question mark. Okay, now they're going to respond to you in a text message. Don't, no need to, to shout it out when they get you. I, I recognize that they're going to text you back, okay? So just when they text you, go ahead and just, you know, silence it and, uh, and we'll move on, okay? Oh, look at, man, mine is so fast. All right, if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, uh, the next couple weeks we're going to be going through uh, the couple of verses in Matthew Matthew 22. Okay, now I need everybody to settle down. We're all excited with cha-cha. I don't want to be seeing you guys cha-chaing the rest of the night, okay? No need to cha-cha the rest of the night. If you got your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 37 says this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked, to, the, the, he was, they were trying to trap him here, and they, they came and said, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Tonight I want to be talking about the idea of cultivating love for God, and how we can cultivate a love and a relationship with the living God. Father, we invite you here tonight. God, we say that we love you. God, we want to know you more. God, I pray that you will open up our hearts to receive from you. May our hearts burn within us, God, as you speak to us tonight. We love you, Jesus. 
Last, uh, last year, I had the opportunity to go on a, uh, on a, on a trip with one of my buddies, and uh, we, had, we had the afternoon off. And so it was, uh, it was for those of you that know him, it was Josiah Carlson and I were on, on a little trip. And, and so we, uh, we, had the, we had the afternoon off, and so we were, uh, we were near an ocean. And so we were like, you know, we got to take advantage of this moment. We live in Colorado where we never see water. And so uh, we, were, we were close to the ocean. So we decided that we would go. And, and I had never been, uh, I'd never been snorkeling before. And so Josiah and I went down to, and we decided that we were going to go and, uh, and snorkel. This, there was like this huge coral reef that we wanted to snorkel in. And uh, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And I thought it was going to be a cool experience, you know, like we've never done this. And we get in the van and kind of the guy that's taking, whoa, the guy that's taking us is, uh, I want, okay, I want you to imagine Romanian mafia <laughs> living in a beach culture with a Steven Seagal ponytail. <laughs> this is who our guide was. So he was a character for sure. And, uh, I mean, I think there's a couple times as we were driving that he almost went Steven Seagal on the, pe- on the other cars. I mean, he was crazy. But it was, it was an interesting moment. So I'm, like, kind of getting excited that we're doing this. And I'm like, dude, isn't this crazy? We've never done this before. And just looks at me. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, I lived in Florida. I, I, my dad and I did this every day. So all of a sudden, I went from, like, cool, fun adventure to, like, the loser that didn't know anything. Like, he was, like, the expert, and I was the, the nobody. And so the guy was like, hey, I have this little extra piece for you. You put it on the end of your snorkel, and no water. Anybody ever been snorkeling in here? Anybody ever been? He was like, no water can get in. And I was like, dude, Josiah, that sounds like a good idea. And he was like, bro, you don't need that. That's dumb. That's a waste. And so I was like, Steven Seagal, I don't need that. That's dumb. That's a waste. <laughs> so we went out, and uh, this has nothing to do with the story, but I literally drank more water that day. <laughs> I drank so much salt water, it was, I was bloated by the end of the day. I was, like, I was like, thanks, Josie, I appreciate it. But we go out, and so we go, and uh, we're doing this, we, we wanted to go snorkeling. And so we go up, and we start talking to this guy, and we're like, okay, where's, where's the good snorkeling action? And he was like, well, you're going to go down here, there's this coral reef, and you're going to, he's like, you're going to snorkel in there, and there's a lot of fish and different things that you look at, and I don't really know what they are, but... And he was like, and, you know, it's shallow, and it's safe, and it's really good, and you'll, you'll enjoy it. And we're like, okay, thanks. He was like, and then all of a sudden, he said this horrible thing. He was like, but if you really want an adventure, and then, and of course, Josiah and I are both like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, come on. He was like, what are you going to do? And he started talking like ocean talk. I didn't understand. He was like, okay, see right out there where the waves crest and the ocean's split. And he's like pointing in the middle of water, and I see nothing. You know, I see an ocean. He's like, where the dolphins fly. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But he's like, okay. he's like, you go out there, you follow the pipeline, you take a right. And he, was like, and he was like, but here's the only thing. If you go out there, he was like, if you go out there at the wrong time, you're going to hit the, the, uh, the current, and you won't be able to come back. And he's like, and so that current takes you straight to San Francisco which was like not close. It, was, it wasn't, like, wasn't like we were in Oakland, you know? And so, and so, uh, so we were out there and we were like, you know, we're just gonna, we're gonna go to the shallow area, the nice shallow area. And so we're, we're looking at fish swim. That's what you do. I don't know if, if you've never been, that's what you do. You swim and look at fish swim. And so that's what we were doing. And it was cool, you know, it was, it was, really, it was, it was pretty and nice. And, crazy colored fish, and you know, like, one like the bass that I grew up with in Oklahoma, you know, and so, but you know, so we were having fun, it was good, 
But it's kind of after a while, like you're swimming in like three feet of water. But you have to swim because like, if you touch it, apparently this rock looking thing is alive and you get yelled at by everybody because you're killing it. And so like you're swimming in this really shallow water. And so you get a little bored after a while. And so Josiah was like, hey, dude, I'm like the pro expert at this, right? And I was like, yeah, remind me. Okay. And he was like, let's go out to like the crazy area. And I was like, you're crazy. We're going to get stuck in the middle of the ocean. It's going to be no good. So we went. And, uh, and we're swimming out. And, and it's, at first you're just swimming and, and swimming. And I'm swallowing water as I'm swimming. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, you take, we followed the crazy guy's advice. And you take the, this right, or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, the sea, like the ocean floor just drops. And it's just like you're in the middle of just this vast ocean, if you will. And, uh, and it, was just, it was just crazy because, like, two minutes ago, we were in this really nice, cute, pretty, shallow water. And then all of a sudden, it was, I mean, you couldn't see to the bottom. And it's like, you know, it's just, and it's not like growing up. See, like I said, uh, you all know, I, I grew up in Oklahoma. And um, it was a strange feeling for me not to have cement on every side as I was swimming. You know, I was like, hey, where's the cement and where's the diving board in this place? You know, and, or there wasn't, uh, we, we do have lakes, but I didn't have, like, you know, the rope that keeps you in the safe place, you know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm talking about, like the rope with the little buoys on it or whatever. I don't know what it's called, the little floaty things. I didn't have any of that. I'm in this huge ocean, right? It's massive, and uh, literally. And so we're swimming, and, and Josie, like, really wanted to see a sea turtle. That was, that was, like, what he wanted to see. I was pulling for a shark because I was way more adventuresome. But he wanted to see a sea turtle, and so we're swimming, and, uh, and all of a sudden I look up, and there's this... this huge turtle right in front of us. I mean, he's massive. And so I'm like, he's in front of me. And so I try to get his attention. And so I yell at him so he can see the sea turtle. But we're underwater. So I was like, <laughs> And then I was like, man, he can't hear me. <laughs> I can't. And so finally, I decided I'm going to swim faster. So I swim up. I grab his fin and I shake him. And I freak him out a little bit. And he turns around. He sees the turtle. It's really good. And Whatever, he's cool. He saw a sea turtle. It was a big moment for him, you know. And so then, then we go back, and, and we, go, we swim back, and fortunately, we were able to get back to the beach. Obviously, I'm here. And, uh, and it was really interesting because we got back to the, the place where, where a few moments ago, we were swimming, and it was like, ooh, look at these crazy fish and this crazy, awesome coral, and it's so awesome and so great. And now we were looking at it, and it was like, dude, this is boring. Do you know what's like right over there is a whole nother world of underwater greatness. <laughs> We're like, it is crazy over there. And, and, and the shallow was just, there was no adventure factor to it. There was, no, there was no fear. There was no excitement. And I don't know what it is about us as people, but I think we just, we like the idea of, of deep and scary things. I mean, we're in Colorado. Uh, I, I think a lot of us in this room, I'm looking at a lot of you, and you like to go up in the mountains and hike, and some of you want to go up, and you just like, you know, throwing your cell phone away, getting, you know, putting everything, and just going away, and so no one knows where you are, and there's a high probability that, you know, there's going to be like massive avalanche, and you're going to be, and you think that's cool, like that's exciting to you, is, man, if I go in the mountains, I go hiking, there's avalanche, I have to bury myself and build a tunnel in a little fort house, it's going to be awesome, it's so cool, you know, and like we just think, I, some of you are like, yeah, and others are just like, oh, what are you talking about? We just have this culture where we like these, these things that are adventuresome and kind of dangerous and kind of crazy. We like the depth. 
And what happens is, is once you've experienced depth, you're ruined for shallow. How many of you guys swim in the little kiddie pools you buy at Walmart? The little things? Anybody? You know, like, you're like, oh, it's a hot day, and I need to go get my floaties, put them on my arm, and I'm going to go swim in the little plastic pool. It's going to be awesome. No, you don't do that. Like, that's just not what we do. Because once you're able to get out of shallow, generally we do. Now, not all of us are swimmers, I understand. Some of you still use floaties. That's okay. I, I'm not looking down on you for that. That's, that's okay. But there's something about depth that intrigues us. There's something about depth that gives us this, this sense of awe and this sense of wonder. And once we've experienced it, we, we, we're kind of ruined for the ordinary. We're ruined for shallow. Friends, I think... You're being here tonight. I've, I, there, there, there's, there's good news for us. See, in life we have, we have these different adventures we can have, but, but we serve a God where there is depth to be had. We serve a God. I mean, you can go through the scripture and in Job and in Psalms, in the New Testament, it talks about the depth of God. And some of you, some of you have seen that depth and you're ruined for ordinary. You're ruined for just shallow, everyday, normal living. You, you can't, it's just not enough for you. All of us here, all of you, if you're in this room tonight, the reason that you are here, I believe, the reason you sign up to come be a part of some kind of program like this is because you have a desire to go deep in God. Your being here is a statement to God, God, I want to go deep in you. So if you don't know that, I'm telling you that. That's how he sees you being here tonight. Is you're saying, God, I want to go into the, I want to, I want to explore the depths of the living God. Just the nature of you signing up, there's a, a twinge of, of wanting to do that in your heart. Most of us, uh, most of us are here, or most of us have a desire to go deep in God because, because we've seen it in other people. And when you've seen someone that has depth in God, you know it. It just, it over, it, it, it flows out of them. It's just, there's just this thing that you could, I mean, when I go out to coffee with Joe Couch, it's like, I know this man, he's spending time with Jesus. There is depth, there is reality that he has. And this weird thing happens in most of us. It's this pseudo jealousy, weird, I want that, I'm scared of that, I'm mad at you because you have that, but it's because I want to go deep in God. But it's to say, if, if, when, we, when we experience, when you get around people that have depth in God, it is, it's crazy how much it, it stirs in us. I think most of us know, know those people. Probably most of you, as we've done this furnace thing for, for the years now, most people come to the furnace because they've seen that depth in, in, you know, like if David preaching at the mill and they see that depth and they say, oh, the, I, he, he's experienced something that I want to experience. Most of you, maybe it's in a friend or someone that you know that, that, uh, that has, has gone deep in God. And you say, it is possible, and I want that. I'll tell you, for me, uh, one of the most depressing times for me is like our uh, family Christmas time. Because I go and I look at my family, and I'm like, these people are deep. I'm like, these people, I mean, these people know God. And, and there's this, I want that, and it's just challenging, like, it's, it's that, like I said, it's that weird thing where you're kind of depressed, because you're like, I want that, but it's more than that, it's this huge, this, this aching within you that says, they've seen it, they've tasted it, 
it can be had, I'm going after it. I think you being here tonight, you signing up saying, I want to do this thing called the furnace. I want to be, you know, sign me up for the vow, whatever it takes, is a statement that you're saying, I want to go deep in God. I want to have a reality in God that currently I don't have. That's the statement that you make by being here. The truth is, is that when we look at those people, we kind of think of all the different reasons why they have that reality. But here's the truth, friends. You do not obtain depth in God by studying about who he is. You can go study as much as you want. You can go get all the theological degrees that you want. It will not increase your depth in God. You don't increase in depth by being a good person. Doing good things doesn't increase your reality in God. You, you, you know, like when you see these people that, that you say, man, that person has a real reality in God. It's not because they've read more books than you. It's not because they're smarter than you. It's not because, you know, oh, God just must like them more than me. I think there is a real key for us to how we can obtain that depth in God. There is a real, there, there's a real way that we can go get it. And it has nothing to do with being good. It has nothing to do with joining a program that makes you go to prayer meetings and gatherings and accountability groups and read books. It has nothing to do with those things. It has nothing to do with going to church. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It is possible. I I think it's a good thing for us to ask. Do you feel like your reality in Jesus is where you want it to be? You know, as we look at our own lives, my hope is that every one of you answer that with a no. My hope is that all of us have a, have, no, there's more to be had, and I'm going to go get it. There is depth to be had, but it has nothing to do with any outer actions. Here's what it is. The people that have that reality in Jesus love him. It's the people that love him that have a deep reality in who he is. The, 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 the thing that all of us are here desiring, the, the, the intimate relationship with a living God, comes from cultivating love for him. It's the idea, you know, Jesus, Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Everything we have... Because here's why, if we get that, if that's the first thing we go for, the rest, it's just, you know, it it trickles down into the rest of our life. It impacts the rest of what we do. If we go first to love him, everything else is impacted. Everything else changes. Ephesians 3, verse 17, says this. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, they have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you will be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. I love that. Here, as Paul's writing this, he's saying, depth in God, reality in God is possible, but it comes from being rooted and established in love. And if you're rooted and established in love, then you will be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep his love is. Why? So that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
I want you just to think for a little bit of how great God is. How massive, how wonderful, how perfect. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. All the fullness is available to us. We can have that for rooted and established in love. Depth in God is available to those that love him. Those who love him. All right, I want to get out your cell phones. Get out your cell phones. Here's what Chow Chow told me. Chow Chow told me that love is... You just can't do web research for love, truth, or the existence of God. It takes soul searching. Be kind to others and keep asking. Isn't that sweet? Basically, they said they have no answer. Anybody get an answer? Anybody get something? What do you got? Oh, we got a Bible verse here. We got to read it. Mmm. Who knows what that means? Follow your heart. Anybody get anybody get a good answer? What do we got, Joe? Oh, what's a good one? Strong affection. Anybody get a really funny one? Anybody? I got one earlier. I'm going to read it. I shouldn't read it, but I'm going to read it. Let's see. Yes, here it is. A feeling of intense desire and attraction toward a person with whom one is disposed to make a pair. <laughs> the emotion of sex and romance. That's what they said. Uh, one who is disposed to make a pair. Mm, that's wonderful. I looked up in... Uh, anyway, you all, you all can keep cha-chaing now. That's a new toy that you'll have fun with. Uh, I looked up Webster's definition. It says this. Strong affection for another arising out of kinship. Man, there's some... Arising out of kinship for personal ties, warm attachment, enthusiasm, or devotion. Unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. I think one of my favorite definitions of love is uh, passion for another's highest good. Passion for someone else's highest good. I think if we look at, the Bible talks a lot about love. Would you agree with that? I think it, I think it does. I just want to look at a couple things. First off, the, what does the Bible say about love? I think the easiest simple thing it says is it says that God is love. 1 John 4.16, God is love. That whole chapter 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's what love is. And 1 John 4.19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. Friends, our depth in God is possible as we cultivate a love for Jesus. But I want to encourage you. It's not based on your own actions. It's not based on your own... It's not like you conjure it up. We are able to love him simply because he first loved us. That's where it starts. But we can cultivate love. We can cultivate love. Cultivating a heart of devotion to Jesus takes time and effort. Like any relationship. Uh, it's something that we have to do deliberately. We have to deliberately go forth and try and spend time cultivating a relationship with Jesus. 
Love does not automatically grow. Love doesn't automatically grow. Actually, what happens is love automatically diminishes. Love doesn't automatically grow in our hearts. What happens is if we don't do something to to create love, love grows cold. Love goes away. If you have a friend and you guys spend a lot of time together and you're doing, you know, you hang out and you, you know, you develop a close relationship, then, then you're, you're developing that relationship. If you stop and you, and you start, you know, you just start sitting, not talking and not doing anything and you just look at each other, it's not like that friendship is just going to continue to bud and grow and be wonderful. Naturally, what happens is you grow distant. If we don't work at love, love digresses. So see, friends, as, I, as I, I'm talking to you tonight, I want you to recognize we only love Jesus because he first loved us. But we have the ability to exercise that love, to, to work that love so that we can grow in greater love with our God. It's the first and greatest commandment. He said the first and greatest thing you can do is love me. I, want, I hope that we become a people that love God. I want to give us just a few things of how I think we can cultivate. And these are, this, is, this is by far, in no way is this an extensive list. But, but some things that I think we can do to cultivate this, this relationship with Jesus. This ability to have depth in God. First thing that we have to do if we're going to love someone is we have to know them. If we're going we're to love someone, we have to know them. It's really interesting to me as we, as we kind of live our lives... Um, you know, like, let, let's just go, for instance, you know, with the front, fun little dating relationship talk. You know, it's really crazy. Now, this isn't true for girls, but guys will do whatever they can for as long as they can, often to not utter the words, I love you. They will go as long, listen, you don't even want to know, like, Amy was tortured for the longest time, because I would not tell her that I loved her. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to marry. No, like, we just, guys don't, girls, girls throw that stuff out there all the time, man. Girls will meet someone in the grocery store, and they'll be leaving, and they'll be like, oh, I love you, you know. But, but guys, we just, we just, we, 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 we hold those a little bit closer, you know. We, we don't just throw that out. I think it's interesting that, that so often in, in the world, you know, we, we'll, we'll kind of hold back on, on using that term, because, because when you're really telling someone, I don't talk, I'm not talking about like loving pizza and loving a good time. But like when you're really talking about loving someone, we, 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 we hold back because that word has so much depth to it. However, when it comes to God, it's one of the first things we throw out. Because we think if we say we love God, it means we don't have to do anything about it. All we have to do is utter these words that we love God and we don't have to have our actions that follow. In life, we pull those back and we'll like, we'll buy gifts and we'll talk on the phone. We'll do all sorts of things, but we won't say those words. Those words are sacred. But, but in our relationship with God, we'll just throw that out. You know, oh, yeah, I love God. Great. You know, we'll make little bumper stickers and go on with our lives. But we don't even know who he is. We say that we love him. We don't even know who he is. Friends, if we want to cultivate love for God, we have to know who he is. We have to find out the, 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 the person of God. The, we have to find out this God that we serve. James 4 eight says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I love that idea. That's God saying, come and get me. I dare you. Come, 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 come. Come seek after me. You can do it. 
I don't think he's like trying to be mean, like he's hide and seek and like he's like, ah, they'll never find me. I think he puts himself in places where we will find him. You know, like he's hiding in the middle of the room, not behind anything. But he just wants us to come look. You know, we all know the story of the prodigal son where when he comes home, the father sees him from a long way away and runs to him. That's the God that we serve. As we come to him, he's going to run to you. He wants to run to you, but he wants you to seek after him. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I think it's really important as we try to cultivate a relationship with Jesus that we spend time with him. We get to know him. We spend time alone. Time in, in solitude and prayer. Just you and Jesus. Henry Nouwen called this, his time alone, he calls it the furnace of transformation. Getting alone with Jesus, the furnace of transformation. It's when you get changed. It's when we become more and more in his image. If you want to grow in love for Jesus, if you want to grow and cultivate passion for Jesus, Get alone, spend time with him. By the way, this is, this is the first priority that Satan has to get you to not do. The very first, the thing that Satan's top priority is to destroy your devotion to Jesus. To destroy your getting in relationship and spending time with him. And 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this. It says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent, meaning Satan, deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He says, what he's saying is, he's saying, I'm afraid that just as his first, as, as Satan's first temptation and first deceit over mankind, in the same way, my, my fear is that he's going to pull you away from the simplicity and purity of devotion. Listen, this is basic. This is the simple and pure thing. Spending time cultivating a relationship with Jesus. Causing our hearts to grow in love rather than fade out of love. We want to be the kind of people that are consistently pressing in. Satan's going to come and attack you. He wants to attack your quiet time. He wants to, to attack the time where you sit in kind of, you know, what Henry Nouwen calls the furnace of transformation. He doesn't want you transformed into God's image. So he's going to attack every way he can to get you to not do that. The, the, he, he doesn't want you spending time with Jesus. Get alone with the Lord. Spend time in solitude and prayer. Number two, the second thing I think is really important is that uh, if we're trying to get to know someone, it's really important that we listen to them. It's really important that we listen to them. I believe that, that uh, God speaks today. And it's really interesting to me that when we think of prayer, most of the time we think of monologues to God. Most of the time we think of, let me come with my petitions for Jesus. Let me come with my requests for him. Or let me just spew out really cool words so that he thinks I'm awesome. When we think of prayer, we think of monologues towards God. But I think he occasionally wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to you. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I read that this week and... I was journaling. Man, I was convicted. I was like, Jesus, do I know your voice? You know, he says, my sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. Man, do we know what his voice is like? 
I think some of us do. Some of us in this room probably have a clear, uh, when, when the Lord speaks to you, you know, that's my shepherd, that's my leader leading me this way, I'll, I'll go. I think a lot of us, probably the majority of us, we're like, man, Jesus said that his sheep know his voice. He said that people that follow him know his voice. A lot of the time, I don't know what he sounds like. And I think that's, honestly, I think that's the fault of, in our culture of Christianity today, we don't take time to learn what he sounds like. We don't take time to try to find out what he sounds like. We went on a, uh, on a missions trip a couple years ago, and uh, I was on a team with Matt Timmermeyer, and we went up, and it was what we were going to go, and we were going to do a lot of prayer walking, and we were going to do a lot of different things, and you know, we, didn't, we weren't really sure what we were doing, so we, like, all we knew is we were going into this, like, deep mountain area, and so we were ready for, like, the worst of the worst, and camping out and sleeping and getting eaten by mountain lions. This is what we were, were that's what Matt was ready for, you know, and, uh, and so we go out there, and, and, and I meet with the missionaries, and I'm like, hey, what's the plan, okay, you know, uh, I got this team here, we've flown across the world to come spend time with you. What is your plan? What are we doing for the next week? And I said, great, we have a very detailed plan. What we're going to do is every morning we're going to wake up, we're going to get together, we're going to worship, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to wait for God to tell us what to do. And I was like, okay, great, and then what? Well, then we're going to do what God tells us to do. Okay, here's my thought. I didn't tell them this at the moment, but I said, this guy has no idea what we're doing. This guy doesn't have a plan. I was like, he just, he's out, he hasn't even been ready for us to come. We're supposed, we flew all this way, we came, we're, you know, these people raised money to come, and we're supposed to just sit and have a prayer and try to listen to God, and he, does, he just doesn't know, so he's making this up. Surely, surely there's a plan for what we're really going to do. Which, I found out the next day, that, that was the plan. So we get up, and, and all my skepticism, you know, as I'm trying to lead this team, I'm like, all right, now we're going to wait on the Lord and hear what we're supposed to do today. And I was blown away day by day as God spoke to this person and this person and this person when we just would wait on him. And we would just sit there and, and we, would spend, we would probably spend an hour every morning in prayer. And just, it was, sometimes it was real awkward because it was just silent. And you're in a group, you're in a, in a room with people and it's just silent. And you're like, is God speaking to anybody? You know, you're like, please someone say something. Every day, listen, there was not a day that, that we were over there that the Lord didn't speak. And, 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 and you don't like, you kind of start off the day and you're like, okay, this is what we're feeling. This is what we think. And so you go out and you do it. And that night you come together to kind of debrief together. And it's like, let's look at what we felt like God said this morning. Let's look at what actually happened. And every time, and our faith just grew more and more and more as God continued to speak to us. He continued to lead us and guide us. Friends, I don't think that we have a culture, even here, even in this group of people, we don't have a culture of waiting on the Lord enough. We don't have a culture that we actually believe that God speaks enough. I want us to become those kind of people. I think it's very biblical. Psalm 27, 14 says this, says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. One of my favorite... Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And then, of course, the famous U2 song, 
Psalm 40. Actually, David wrote it first. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard me. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, set my feet on a rock, and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I think David got it. He understood waiting on God. Isaiah, a prophet, imagine that. He believed God spoke. <laughs> Listen, friends, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I think if we're the kind of people that want to cultivate a reality in our God, a depth in our God, we need to know who he is, and then we need to be ready for him to speak to us. And we need to be listening, actually listening. And sometimes it's going to come in the stillness of the moment. Sometimes it's going to be sitting and waiting for God to speak, and it's awkward, and your mind goes in every direction except for listening to God. You start thinking of everything else possible, and you don't even know, and you're going to sit and you're going to be like, I don't know how to listen to God. I'm just sitting here, and I'm thinking of random things I need to do. And it's in those moments that we continue pressing in. Some of you are laughing. You're like, yeah, that's it. We continue going because, listen, it is a muscle that we need to stretch. It is something that we have to learn how to do. But if we will take time to sit and say, God, I believe that you'll speak if I wait on you. Other times, other times you're just going to be going through the day and it's going to have nothing to do with sitting and being quiet. Sometimes you're going to watch a movie and it's going to, all of a sudden, God is going to convict your heart or God is going to speak to your heart. Sometimes you'll be, you'll be uh, I don't, you know, your boss at work will say something to you and God will just download something to your heart right there. If I believe, if we become a people that our culture is listening and waiting for God to speak, then he's going to speak to us in more than just the quiet times. He's going to begin to speak to us throughout our day. I love hearing, man, I hear stories of people that talk about God leading them, God speaking to them. And, and I'm not, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know what that is like enough. I don't know what it's like that every moment, to take every thought captive, to be led by the Lord in everything I do. I want us to be the kind of people, I hope, I pray, my prayer for you is that you get to know Jesus' voice. And the last thing, the Bible is pretty clear. If you love me, you'll obey me. So Jesus said. Now Psalm 40, a few verses later, right after David writes, I waited on the Lord and he saved me. He says this, I in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. I think this is what Jesus meant when he said, when he was asked what the greatest, what the greatest commandment was. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength or mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment because it affects everything else. When you love God, all of a sudden, I delight to do your will. I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. That's crazy talk. Who loves the law? Woo! I love not speeding. You know, like, I love when policemen pull me over because they are just helping me out. That's not the way we are. David said, I delight to do your will. Your law is always within my heart. John 14, 21. I'm going to read through 23. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. 
Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and will come to him and, make, and we will make our home with him. I think that's a pretty big thing. Jesus is saying, if you love me, then you got to obey me. If you love me, obey me. Now, I also think it's interesting that when he's asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, love me. And then he's like, okay, okay, so how do I love you? Obey me. Well, what do you want me to do? Love me. I, it's kind of, you go in circles there a little bit, but, but the idea here is, I mean, it was such a huge thing. Jesus said the first thing, love me. And if you love me, you'll obey me. I think in our own trying to cultivate our relationship with Jesus, I think that it's really important that we are obedient. And every time that you're obedient to him, you grow in love for him. Because every time you're obedient, it's a statement of your love for him. Every time you're obedient, you're saying, in this moment, my obedience to you is saying that I love you, Jesus. And so I think in order for us to be obedient, if I was to put a practical thing for you to take tonight to do that, we need to know what he says. I think we need to be a people that uh, get in and study and find out what the scripture says. We need to really get in our Bible. Make a Bible reading plan. If you don't have one, put on your schedule how you're going to, you know, I'm going to read this many chapters a day or I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Whatever it is, we have to find out what he says. This is, I mean, listen. No doubt God speaks to us today and God speaks. But the primary way he's going to speak to you is this right here. It's getting out your Bible, spending time with him and saying, Jesus, speak to me. We need to be people. If we want to obey him, we got to find out what he says to do. So I encourage you, all of you, let's become a, a culture, a, a group of people that love our Bible. And not because, see, I, I first started really liking my Bible when I was in youth group, and we would have prayer meetings, and uh, we were praying the scriptures. And so, like, I thought it was really cool to find the most obscure scripture I could because I wanted to have the cool scripture to pray during youth group. And, uh, and so, like, I'd be, I wouldn't even be listening to sermons because I'd be like, where is, like, the awesomest scripture that no one has ever read before? I'm finding it, and I'm going to pray that. I think that's fine. I don't want you to, like, love your Bible because you're trying to find, like, the thing no one else has ever found before. Guess what? A lot of people have read this book. You're probably not going to find something no one has ever found. But here's the deal. You can find something and have fresh revelation that you've never known. And God can speak to you in ways that you've never known. I encourage us. Let's begin to read our Bible. Let's, let's get a little bit more serious about our Bible. Let's get a little bit more serious about reading it and finding out what it says. Let's not just use it as a tool so that I can not be the slacker in the back during the prayer meeting that doesn't have anything to pray. That's fine. I don't care. Let's, let's, let's go and let's become people that actually read it because we can't get enough of God. This is, I mean, let's, I, this is the most basic, simple tool you have in your pursuit of Jesus. Basically, here's all I've said tonight. All I've said tonight, the spark notes, if you will, is your here is a statement that you desire to go deep in God. Your being here is, is, is I love how A.W. Tozer says it in Pursuit of God. He says, if you hunger to be hungry, you're hungry. If you thirst to be thirsty, you're thirsty. And some of us, we don't feel like we hunger after God, but we want to hunger after God. Guess what? You're hungry. Your being here tonight is a statement that you have a desire to go deep in God. 
And depth in God is available to those that love him. Depth in God is available to those who love him. And we have the ability, because he loved us first, we have the ability to cultivate love for him. I mean, listen, I've talked about spending time alone with him. I've talked about listening to God's voice. I've talked about reading your Bible, whatever. Those are, those are, those are some things. There's far more. I don't know what, what you feel, but we need to be the kind of people that begin to cultivate and to say, Jesus, I'm coming. You know, it's the John Egan song, you know, I'm coming your way. I guess that's a Jared Anderson song. You know, sorry, I got, got to give them the right people, you know. I'm coming after you. That's John Egan. You know, I will not stop until I get to know you. I love, I love that. You know, the parable that, that says, where Jesus says, you know, I'm going to teach you how to pray so that... You will always pray and never give up, and never give up, and never give up. I hope that we become the kind of people that say, we will know our king, and we will not give up. Joe, if you want to go ahead and come up here and grab your guitar. I just want to sing uh, the song we sang earlier tonight. I just want to sing the the, the Yearn song, Shane song. And and let's get our hearts just in a place where we're just saying, God, I want more of you. I don't know where you're at on the spectrum tonight. Some of you are, may say, I have such depth in God that this is, this is you know, like, I, I, I feel pretty good where I'm at. Some of you are saying, I feel like I am wading in shallow waters and I'm afraid of drowning. You know, but, but let's, let's just all commit tonight. You know, Ezekiel talks about kind of the, the river of God. And I love the idea that it's, he, he talks about an angel leading him out and he was, ankle deep, and then he let him out a little further, and he was knee deep, he let him out a little further, and he was waist deep, and finally he let him out to where it was so deep, and the current was so great that no man could cross it. I hope that we all kind of delve into the river of God tonight, that we say we want to go so deep that it's like raging, crazy river that no one can cross. I'm tired of being ankle deep. I'm tired of not going deep, and God, I want the fullness. Go ahead and stand. I want to pray for you, and then we're just going to sing this song. Father, we pray tonight that you will speak to our hearts. God, we want to know your voice. God, I pray that we'll be the kind of people that know you, that listen to you, that spend time for you, that crave spending time with you, Jesus. God, we want to know what you're saying so that we can obey you. We want to obey what you are telling us to do. We are your humble servants, Jesus. God, we long to know you more. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.